Good morning, Orlando. Monday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Thanks so much for joining us here for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a school safety package gets a final Senate vote today and marches in D.C. on the DACA deadline. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. What's in that uh, Senate school safety package? We'll talk about it together next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Monday morning. It's 6.01 on News Radio 1025. The school safety package drafted by Republican leaders in the state legislature after the massacre in Parkland is up for a final vote today in the Florida Senate. Lawmakers spent all day Saturday debating and defeating amendments offered by Democrats. Senator Jose Rodriguez wanted to remove the school marshal program that would allow some teachers to have guns in class. We should not arm teachers. I do not think the response to gun violence in our schools is to put more guns in our schools. Senate Republicans also shot down amendments to ban assault rifles and high-capacity magazines, but they did agree that school marshals should receive diversity training so they know how to deal with students of different races and cultures. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Those who survived the Broward County school shooting are facing a long road to recovery, and not just physically. A Central Florida Red Cross mental health volunteer recently returned from 12 days in Parkland, helping those students and their families. Dora Dorbin says the students who were in the building that day will need long-term mental health support. She tells Channel uh, Channel 9 they can't get the sights of the bodies, the blood, and the sounds of that day out of their heads. In other news, today marks the original deadline that President Trump said that DACA program would end. While the program to protect illegal immigrants brought here as children is instead still being tied up in the legal system, people will be marching in Washington, D.C. today to advocate for a permanent solution. They'll be coming from all over the nation to Capitol Hill in support of the program. Back locally, jury selection continues at the federal court in downtown Orlando today for the trial of the widow of the Pulse gunman. Noor Salman is accused of obstruction of justice and aiding and abetting her husband's attack on the nightclub that killed 49 people. So far, the jury pool includes 13 people with 18 more potential jurors to be questioned today. The judge wants a pool of 56 people from which a jury of 12 with six alternates will be chosen. Couldn't stay up all uh, the entire length of the award ceremony last night? Well, then you may have missed that The Shape of Water is the winner of the Best Picture at last night's Oscars. Guillermo del Toro, the man behind the project, also won Best Director. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri's Frances McDormand won Best Actress. No surprise there. And good Gary Oldman won Best Actor for the drama Darkest Hour. Jordan Peele also made history by becoming the first African-American to earn Best Original Screenplay for his movie Get Out. Other winners throughout the night were Allison Janney, Sam Rockwell, Disney's Coco, Dunkirk, and Blade Runner 2049. And that's not all, but we'll have that uh, coming up as our final story. Okay, good deal. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars here. Went from 8 o'clock until about quarter or 10 of 12 last night. You know, it was a marathon like it, it always is. You know, they said they were the, Jimmy Kimmel was going to be all about positivity, you know, after the Harvey Weinstein fiasco and everything else. Um, and, you know, but they still managed to get their usual shots in, you know, against the president and the vice president and the and Fox News, et cetera. You know, and a couple of things that I thought were pretty gross and disgusting, but uh, they got through it. 
Yeah, and Kobe Bryant is now an Oscar winner. Yeah. The former NBA player, yeah, took home the award for best animated short at the awards ceremony for Dear Basketball, which is based on actually his letter announcing his retirement from basketball. Bryant took a jab at Fox News anchor Laura Ingram in his acceptance speech, bud, saying, quote, as a basketball player, we're really supposed to shut up and dribble, end quote. You remember that Ingram had used the phrase shut up and dribble last month about players, namely LeBron James, right. should stop commenting on politics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. WFLA news time is 6.05. Unbelievable, but read about a child sex offender serving 300 years in prison? Freed due to a technicality, cannot be recharged, and does not have to register as a sex offender. Completely wow. scot-free. Wow. How about that? Yeah. We can see that where, Deb? At 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. The Bud Man, the Deb Meister, Yaffe at the control, Stephanie screening your calls. Did anybody see the Oscars last night? I, I only saw one of the movies that was up for best picture, and, and it resulted in uh, absolutely the right, the right award given for best actor because Gary Oldman's portrayal of Winston Churchill at the start of World War II was a tour de force. The, I mean, I've never seen anything better than that. I mean... Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's portrayal of Lincoln, it's in the same category with that. He became Winston Churchill, and he did win Best Actor for it, and it was great. I didn't see the other movies. Did you guys see any of the other movies? I saw The uh, Shape of Water, but w- what I find is interesting is Gary Oldman is so often not considered in the same ilk as like a Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, Everyone, yeah. of course, talking about the... Phantom Thread being Lewis's final film because mm-hmm. he says he's retiring. But right. I think Gary Oldman is a chameleon of the highest sorts when it comes to an actor. He can literally take on whatever role he's doing. The Shape of Water, it was a good film. I didn't think it was worth 13 Oscar nominations, and I'm a Guillermo del Toro fan. I just yeah. thought the film fell short in a lot of areas, and it wasn't that Oscar-worthy. I really didn't. It only wound up getting four Oscars out of the 13, yeah, I think. Yeah, but it got Best Picture. I think the Florida about, Project deserved that. How about how about you, Yaffe? Steph, do you see any of the end of the movies that were up for Best Picture? Did you see any of the Oscars last well, night? Well, Bud, I think you have, actually, and I have, too. Dunkirk was up for Best Picture. I know you saw that. Oh, that's right. And I'm glad it didn't get it. didn't deserve it. I not heard that a good. lot of people, yeah, did not, not like strong, Dunkirk. Not strong. And The Post was also up for it. And I know you saw that as well. Well, you I've know, you're... That. You're right. Look at you. You're more of a Hollywood yeah. guy than you're letting on, bud, man. I hate to tell <laughs> you, but your secret whiz. is out. You know, it's a man. I, I have to store so much information to do this show on the fly every day. I delete the file. I can't remember <laughs> things. Yeah, it's amazing to me. I had I just yeah. totally forgotten I, I had seen those movies. I, I mean, I had to look up the nominees, too, just to remind <laughs> myself. So you're not the only one. All right. Good deal. Great to have you all with us. Deb will be back with news whenever it breaks. Top and bottom of the hour all morning long. You don't want to miss that. And it's Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Deb set the table, as she does so well, on what the uh, Florida Senate was up to in that um, unusual weekend session to try to get a school safety package out. Tell you what is in this thing, and I, I still fear that we may, forgive me on this term, misfire and not actually wind up getting anything done of great substance in the wake of the school massacre in Broward County um, back on Valentine's Day. I'll tell you what is in this legislation, what is not, and I'd like to get your take on whether you're happy with what the Senate has come up with if it is the bill that you would want or not and why. 
407-916-5400. Steph will take your calls there. Text line wide open, never busy, 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. So, the Florida Senate and the school safety and gun bill in just a moment. That in Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Pretty unusual to get the um, Florida legislature to work on a weekend, but they did it in the Florida Senate on Saturday. They went eight or nine hours on a debate over guns and, um, and school safety. And um, the bill that they have ultimately, uh, which is which is going to be voted on today, and I believe it will pass in the Florida Senate uh, with with the Republican majority there, because it's really their bill, and then send it on to the House. I don't know where all of this is going. I don't know whether there'll be a veto over the school marshal program by the governor. He doesn't want anything that arms teachers. Maybe the idea that there's an opt-in county by county, you know, school boards with, with input from parents and teachers, et cetera, want the Marshall program to train and arm teachers as a line of defense against a mass killer coming into a gu- otherwise gun-free zone, a school, a fish-in-a-barrel scenario. They can have it or they can reject it county by county. It may be that you get the governor to not veto the bill on that basis of the opt-in. We'll have to see. But at any rate, initially for about 15 minutes in a debate, the Democrats were thinking they had a, an assault weapons ban on this for AR-15s and similar weapons, okay? The, 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 the semi-automatics that have become the weapon of choice in one, one massacre after another in this country, schools and otherwise. Um, they voted for the measure to arm some teachers. The Marshall program is in there, okay? Now, um, The bill raises the minimum age to buy a rifle or a shotgun to 21 from 18. I want you to listen to this and tell me whether you're on board with what's in here. Would you want your representative to vote for or against this bill? It hits the main floor of the Senate today and then goes on to the House. It raises the minimum age to buy a rifle or a shotgun from 21 to uh, from 18 and bans the use, sale, or possession of bump stocks. That's not a Broward County thing. That's a Las Vegas thing It's something you can attach to a weapon like an AR-15, and you can increase its rapid rate of fire to the point where it is much faster than a semi-automatic where you have to pull the trigger each time to get a bullet to go, and it makes it, you know, kind of on the way to being a a full automatic, a machine gun, which, of course, are not legal in this country. Uh, The bill includes $400 million in funding for schools to address um, mental health issues, and it also... It also sets up um, it also sets up a program where you have additional armed resource officers, armed cops from local police and sheriff's offices in each one of the schools. Okay, now what else is in here? Um, it also creates risk protection orders, allowing law enforcement to confiscate the guns of the mentally ill or those deemed a violent threat to themselves or others. And as I say, it puts about $400 million toward increasing school resource officers, mental health, counseling in schools, and for schools, hardening, you know, hardening the, 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 the schools against um, anybody coming in, metal detectors, bulletproof windows, et cetera, et cetera. So there we go. I don't know where all of this is going, but I got to tell you, um, in my opinion, we have to have the Marshall program. And I, I think that it, it, it will get by a gubernatorial veto by Scott if there is the opt-in here. 
if counties want to decide whether they want it in their schools. I can tell you, Orange County School Board says, absolutely not, we're not doing it, and I just do not understand why. I do not understand why. We, we, we have to end this fish-in-a-barrel scenario here, and having you know a school resource officer doesn't always get it done, okay? And they could be somewhere else. That's exactly what happened in Broward County, among the other problems that they had on Valentine's Day. So there you go. Um, no assault rifle ban, okay? The Democrats thought they had that in there for a while, but they never had a shot at getting that done, and it didn't happen, and it's not going to happen. So you don't have to worry about that, okay? 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Where are you on the Florida Senate bill that hits the main floor for a vote today, and I think it will pass, and then it goes on to the Republican-controlled House. Let me know. We'll talk about it together here in a moment. Missed a couple of things uh, when I took you through the Florida Senate bill on school safety and guns. And, uh, Yaffe, let's talk about the waiting period issue for gun purchases now under this bill that gets a full vote of the Florida Senate. Uh, today in Tallahassee, and and also the issue of changing the background check regulations. Um, well, yes, Bud. In terms of gun control, you had already mentioned that it would ban sales for people under 21. Well, it would also require a three-day waiting period for gun purchases and a background check for all purchases from licensed dealers. Okay. And we got – and we have the um – you know, we got money for mental health, money for school resource officers in every school. We've got uh, money for the uh, Marshall program. Yeah, uh, that seems to be the thing that's really holding things up, unfortunately. I think the it Marshall is. Program. It has been, but uh, it's in both the Senate and the House bill because this goes to the House right. now. But the governor has said that that's absolutely not something he will accept. But I think maybe he would on a county-by-county opt-in. You know, yeah, I think that's a great compromise, a county by county. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I would uh, uh, I, I, I think this is a bill with some substance and, and some changes. I think most people can live with no assault rifle ban here. Yeah, they almost got that. No, and I then it was reversed. They, they, well, they never had the votes to do that. Right. The Democrats, you know, OK. And they had it for 15 minutes on Saturday. <laughs> that was not going to happen. So what about it? Where are you on that, Yaffe? On I mean, the I, on the I, Florida bill. I mean, I completely bill. agree with you. I think it's a good bill. I think most of the stuff is really good, and I feel like I feel like it's common sense. Any deal breakers in there for you? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. So we're going to follow that today, and we're going to see where all of this goes from here. Just wanted you to know we were on the job making sure we knew what um, the legislature was up to on a rare Saturday session in the Senate. On the text line, Yaffe, what do you see? Yeah, one person says this, Buzz, says raising the minimum age to buy a rifle is unconstitutional and that it'll probably get overturned in court. Why not raise the age of everything else currently legal at 18 to 21 then? Yeah, there could be a court fight over that. There could be a court fight over that. But one thing I don't understand is if it's 21 to buy a handgun, why should it be 18 for a rifle? Yeah, well, and Trump made that same point. It do, it seems like it doesn't make sense to have one be 21 and one be 18. Although there was a congressman in D.C. who actually put forward a bill that won't pass. 
but put forward a bill to make it so even if you're 18, you could buy or, buy a handgun, which is really interesting. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know that there's much sentiment to go down in the minimum age. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't think it would pass, but the fact that he put forward that bill in D.C. And was pretty interesting. because emotions are running so high, you know, yeah. in the issue with Nicholas Cruz in Broward County, you know, who was able at age 18 to get the AR-15, you know, um, yeah, this when, is when one he of could those... not have legally bought a handgun. Yeah, this is one of the, it's interesting, I, it might go to court, but this is one of those things where it seems like most people agree it's okay to raise it to 21. Yep. The issue I usually hear is that, well, you can join the military at 18, right. be trained and carry a gun in the military, mm-hmm. and then not be able to buy a rifle in your own time. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and you can vote at 18, et cetera. Yeah, that's usually the argument I hear, and it's right. actually a pretty good argument. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Okay, um, we are going to take more calls in this in the 7 o'clock hour. We're bringing it back for folks who will be hopping on the 50,000-watt front porch along the way. So if you tried to reach me by phone I'm a little bit late to take calls on that right now. Need to stay on the clock. Deb's coming up with the news here at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to be talking in this coming half hour on the show about all the heat Trump, President Trump has taken over his plan to uh, slap some heavy tariffs on uh, imported steel and aluminum. Deb, you have something on that right after you get everybody joining us now up to date on the big Florida story we've been talking about already. Which is the school safety package, which has been drafted by Republican leaders in the state legislature after the massacre at Stoneman Douglas High School in Broward County nearly three weeks ago is up for a final vote today in the Florida Senate. Lawmakers debated all day Saturday. They defeated amendments offered by Democrats who wanted to remove the school marshal program that would arm teachers and ban assault rifles and high-capacity magazines. Senator Wilton Simpson says he supports the idea of arming teachers who receive special law enforcement training because school resource officers are not enough. We saw what the SRO officer did at Parkland. We saw where that got us. We saw where that law enforcement got us. Just think if you'd had three or four teachers in that building who had been trained and armed. Think about the difference in the results. Republicans also agree that school marshals should receive diversity training so they know how to deal with students of different races and cultures. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A subject Bud is getting ready to talk about right after the news is the fact that President Trump is defending his plans to put tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. On Twitter, he said the U.S. has been, quote, on the losing side of almost all trade deals, end quote. He believes the U.S. has been taken advantage of by both its, quote, friends and enemies. He adds that America's steel and aluminum industries are dead and that it's time for a change. Trump proposed a 10 percent tariff on aluminum imports and a 25 percent tariff on steel imports. Back here in the Sunshine State, putting the I-10 corridor on the business map. Four economic development councils representing 34 out of 67 Florida counties are banding together to promote the stretch from Pensacola to St. Augustine as a great place to put factories and warehouses Kim Wilmis is leading the North Florida Corridor campaign. Many folks know Miami and South Florida, and they're known for international trade. And Central Florida has branded themselves for high tech. And so now we plan to get the word out about our strengths in manufacturing, distribution, and logistics, and and really capitalize on the wave of manufacturing in the United States. The promoters point to Florida's business-friendly climate, large population of retiring veterans, lack of unions, and Southern charm. Finally, a new study ranks Sacramento, California, the best city in the country for starting a new small business. Some of the factors that led to the determination include annual revenue and profitability after expenses. 
Grand Rapids, Michigan came in second, followed by Portland, Oregon in third. Cincinnati, Ohio had the unfortunate ranking of worst city to start a new small business. Never thought you would have heard California was the best uh, state to start any kind of business, small, medium, or large. With the taxation rates there, that's astounding to me. Yeah, I'm surprised we're not tops on that. We ought to be. For nothing more than our southern charm. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with more business. Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. You bet. Thanks, Deb. She's got it all. Joining us live now from New York City's Bloomberg Business Newsroom, Good morning, Gina. Good Monday morning to you. Hey, we're going to be talking about the Trump tariffs on steel and aluminum. We announced them last week and nobody saw it coming. And boy, the market really was rocked. Now, things I hope have settled out a little bit. What are you seeing as you reflect on Friday's trading and uh, and view the futures for us this morning, Gina? Things settling out here just a little bit, but as you mentioned, we have the futures narrowly mixed this morning, and that kind of describes what we saw on Friday in terms of the close. Uh, it was a negative week, however, and more on that in just a minute. But for Friday, we saw the Dow losing just three-tenths percent. The S&P 500 actually managed to gain a half of a percent. The Nasdaq was up one percent. But here again, for all of last week with the worries over the possible trade war among investors, we saw the broader U.S. equity market down about two percent. Now, with the Bloomberg Orlando index also falling almost two percent over this past week. But uh, right now, as I said, we've got the mix on the futures. The S&P futures down six. The Dow futures down 62. The Nasdaq futures up six. And what are you watching this week? It's going to be pretty busy. What's Bloomberg have your collective eyes on for us, Gina? Pretty busy week in terms of those economic reports. We get updates today on the services part of the U.S. economy, and that does make up the bulk of economic activity. Now, this week also brings updates on durable goods orders. Those are those long-lasting big-ticket items, everything from appliances to airplanes, ADP's count of private payrolls for February. And then on Friday, we do get the big jobs report for the month. A lot of companies reporting their earnings this week, including retailers, Target, Dollar Tree, Costco, Sears, and the big grocer, Kroger. And meanwhile, Walmart's been into uh, the grocery business for some time, but in the food realm, they're up to something new you're reporting on this morning. Walmart, what's the story? They are. They're going to start offering prepared meals at their stores for the first time, a move that could help the nation's biggest grocer sell more food while siphoning customers from restaurant chains. Ten different meals are now available in 250 stores, and the program will expand to 2,000 locations by the end of the year. The company is also introducing some $15 meal kit options in stores, expanding a business that had previously only been offered online through outside vendors. And finally, before you go, we've talked a lot about the technology emerging that will lead eventually to hopefully safe self-driving cars. There's some legislation that is causing some concern as it moves through the Senate on this. What can you tell us, Gina? Well, there, there's a group of 27 state and local public safety advocates but that say in a letter to Senate party leaders, the Senate's self-driving car bill needs, quote, essential and urgent improvements. 
Uh, the group representing an array of interests, including the safety advocates, say that, quote, baseless and exaggerated predictions about the readiness and the reliability of driverless car technology are propelling legislation that significantly strips, they say, the current federal regulatory system of its appropriate authority and oversight, and thereby, they say, endangering mm-hmm. the safety of everyone. So perhaps the, uh, the idea about this technology or, or where people think it is is getting ahead of where these safety groups say it it really is as far as the kind of legislation that's needed to make these cars safe for everybody yeah so they're tapping the brakes at least a little bit here figuratively gina thank you so much uh for getting us up to date on all things in the business and financial realm with the daily bloomberg business report catch you tomorrow morning live from the bloomberg newsroom in new york city thank you gina thank you bud all right coming up here in a moment The president is getting absolutely hammered over suddenly calling for a 25% tariff on imported steel and a 10% tariff on imported aluminum. This should surprise nobody. The president's been talking about this issue, this problem with trade imbalances for years. He made promises to those Rust Belt states that helped him get elected where they have a lot of aluminum and steel mills and where those where the where the, 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 the metal the metal industries are just on their backs and about to disappear. We cannot have this in this country. And the president says based on national security more than anything else, we have to impose these tariffs. And if it leads to a trade war, Trump says, Don't worry, not a problem. We can win it, and it won't be hard to do. Well, a lot of folks are on fire about this. They think the president's irresponsible, that he's clueless, that he's lost his mind. Of course, they say that about any decision he makes, since things more than not seem to be going pretty well in this country right now, wouldn't you say? So in a moment, I'm going to make the case that the president may be exactly on the right track, not the wrong track, when it comes to trade and these tariffs. Stay tuned, and we'll welcome conversation with you from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. The Monday edition of Good Morning Orlando. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. will be updated for you in two minutes. Stick around here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. And to flesh that out a little bit, in a tweet over the weekend, the president blamed very stupid trade deals and policies for racking up an $800 billion annual trade deficit for the United States with our allies and our competitors and our enemies worldwide, saying this, that our jobs and wealth are being given to other countries that have taken advantage of us for years. They laugh at what fools our leaders have been. No more, the president tweeted. And I'm glad he's saying no more. You know, for years and going back decades, when we were trying to get the rest of the free world on its feet after World War II, you know, we... We made it easy for them in terms of trade. We wanted their economies to flourish, at least to an extent, because that would be good for us and good for the world, okay? And over the years, they've taken advantage of us. It's so unbalanced. I mean, we have these, and it isn't just China, but they're the big kahuna, of course. But, I mean, they they have these enormous tariffs on our stuff, that make it almost impossible to sell our cars and other products in a lot of other countries. And we have minuscule tariffs in return that allow them to come in here and sell their cars or their whatever else it is cheaply 
and gradually just wipe out one American company after another. Now, here's the issue of national security the president is citing with these tariffs. And he plans to really, he talked about it going into the weekend and spooked the markets here. Oh, we're going to have a trade war and all of this. And he's going to, this week, he's going to throw the switch to do this. And I would be very surprised if he doesn't. He's saying, listen, the reality is, and I heard his commerce secretary say this over the weekend, Wilbur Ross used to be the CEO of U.S. Steel. We are down now to only one steel mill left in the United States that can produce some critical elements for the United States military and their hardware. We are down to one remaining aluminum plant in this country that can make critical elements for the United States military. Otherwise, we're beholden on unreliable or potentially hostile sources to get these from other countries. Says we cannot have this steel and aluminum industry domestically disappearing, and that's exactly where we have gone with these protracted, decades-long trade imbalances. Oh, my God, but man, the price of everything is going to go through the roof. You listen to these anti-Trumpers on the media over the weekend. The analysis from the Commerce Department is, okay, on the aluminum tariff, an extra penny for a can of beer. The steel tariffs for a car, an extra $100 on a $35,000 car to keep our steel and aluminum industries going here so we can make our own stuff instead of depending on the rest of the world and balancing the imbalance on trade. I think this is going to be okay. The president's been talking about this for years. He said he was going to help him in the Rust Belt. This is what this is all about. I am glad we're sucking it up and facing down the rest of the world. And the president's top trade guy spoke over the weekend, and the media really worked him over pretty good, but I thought he held his ground. And you're going to hear from Peter Navarro in just a moment. And I'd like to hear from you. Are you in a panic? over Trump and these tariffs he wants to impose on imported steel and aluminum? I am not. 407-916-5400. I think it's about putting America first. I think it is about making America great again and not knuckling under to the rest of these countries, most of which don't like us. 407-916-5400. Text message 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. It was hard to get any balance over the weekend on the coverage, even on Fox News, about the president slapping these tariffs on uh, imported steel and aluminum. Well, a trade war, he's out of his mind. He's a loose cannon. This is going to be a disaster. You know, and they're trotting out one Republican after another, let alone the Democrats who were just on fire about this. But there was some balance provided by a really tough guy I didn't want to see more of, and he is Peter Navarro, who is Trump's trade advisor, showed up on a couple of the Sunday morning talk shows. He really is the director of trade and manufacturing policy, and here he is explaining what the president's doing and why he's doing it. Let's be clear here about what the president's doing. Let's, let's lay this on the table. Uh, this is an action, basically, to protect our national security and economic security. The president was quite clear. We can't have a country that can defend itself and prosper without an aluminum and steel industry. What I love about this president is he listens to all points of view, both within his government and outside, and then he makes the tough decisions. And here is Navarro on the message President Trump is sending 
to the largely anti-American World Trade Organization of 160 nations, a whole lot of which don't really like us and have taken advantage of us for decades by slapping much higher tariffs on American goods coming into their countries than we place on their goods coming into the U.S. And uh, Mr. Navarro, sir, that message is? We're not going to take it anymore. What we have is a country here in the United States which has the lowest tariffs in the world, lowest non-tariff barriers in the world, and all we get from that is not fair and reciprocal trade from our trading partners. What we get from that is a half a trillion dollars a year in trade deficits that put our wealth offshore and our jobs offshore. Amen to that. Let's go to Eric in Orlando on the Trump tariffs. What about it, Eric? Good morning to you. Good morning. It was a great idea when Barack Obama proposed it, but like everything that Obama does, he was hot air in Trump's action. So go Trump. All right. You understand what I'm talking about. It is part of making America great again. You You cannot allow our steel and our aluminum industries to literally go out of existence, and we're on the verge of that right now. Heck no. No, thank you, sir, very much. Scott, you're on the line from Orlando. You're on with the Budman. Good morning, Scott. Yes, the other enemy that we have is the EPA, because they're the ones that closed a lot of these steel mills, aluminum mills down with all the restrictions. You know, the Democrats should be happy that Trump's bringing jobs back to America and keeping American workers working. Thank you, bud. Yeah, well, the Democrats aren't happy with anything that's got the Trump label on it. Yaffe, I'm no expert on international trade. You know, but this is not something that is a wild hair that the president just suddenly came up with this off the cuff. He's been talking about this for 40 years. Oh, this is his big thing. It's been his big thing for years. I disagree with it. I disagree with you. I disagree with him. But um, what is your problem with it to say? Well, it, it, it limits competition and it's basically a tax. When you when you have a tariff, you're taxing and the American consumer is going to have to pay for it. And that and that's well, not good I, for the I, economy. I, I, I just gave you the analysis here on a thirty-five thousand dollar car, a hundred bucks on a beer can, a penny. Well, that's what they say now, but it's going to increase. You know, he talked about Obama increasing tariffs. Obama increased tariffs on tires a few years ago. Yeah, and there was analysis that said it really cost more jobs and saved more jobs. Yeah, I'm just a free trade guy. Or, I like free trade. Well, where where is the free trade? In, in companies like whether it's Germany or the Chicoms, China, Communist China, where the tariffs on our stuff far higher than what we put on their stuff coming in here. Yeah, that's true. But Come usually on. tariffs just hurt their country. So when they're just taxing their own people. So and, and when we talk about steel going out of business, we still produce three-fourths of the steel that is used here. We produce it here, 70% of it. China. So it's hard for me to say, oh, steel's going out of business. Well, we take 2% of our, st- of, of, of our steel comes from China, but they produce 50% of the steel worldwide, and they dump it on the world market yeah, at low true. prices, and, they, and they, they wipe everybody else out. This has got to stop. We can't continue this way. It's not economically viable when you have the better part of a trillion dollars in, in trade deficits every single doggone year. We'll have more opportunities to talk about this. Right now, it's time for Deborah Roberts, my co-host, to talk and bring us the news at the top of the hour, setting the stage for more conversation between you and me in the 7 o'clock hour. The school safety package out of Tallahassee that gets a final Senate vote today. And Senator Bill Nelson dissing Governor Scott and the NRA. Good morning, Orlando. 
From the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here off the top of the 7 o'clock hour on a Monday morning as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a school safety package gets a final Senate vote today, and Senator Bill Nelson dissing the governor and the NRA. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And what's in that Senate school safety bill? We'll break it open for you next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Monday morning. It's 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. The Florida Senate plans to vote today on a school safety package to respond to the massacre at Stoneman Douglas High School. Senator Bill Galvano brought the bill to the floor in a rare Saturday session. And we have to take seriously more seriously than ever before, the issue of security in our schools and safety in our schools. And this bill really is unprecedented. Democrats have their doubts, though. Senator Audrey Gibson's biggest concern is the school marshal program that allows some teachers to have guns in class. We don't need additional guns in schools. You don't add fuel to a fire that's already burning. It's burning just fine on its own. Democrats tried to eliminate the school marshal plan and pushed for a ban on assault weapons, but they didn't have the votes. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. We'll get into everything that's in this bill and what is not in this bill, and we're going to see what the best audience in talk radio thinks about it. And um, we'll get into that right after the news, Deb. All right. Well, U.S. Senator Bill Nelson was in Tallahassee urging state lawmakers to pass a stronger school safety bill. He says the current plan is flawed because Republicans, especially Governor Rick Scott, are trying to placate the powerful gun lobby. He's afraid of the NRA. He has an A-plus rating. He's taken $20 million of advertising from the NRA in his two elections. Nelson says he supports universal background checks for gun sales and a ban on assault rifles, which are not included in the school safety plan. Senator Lindsey Graham says the GOP has a, quote, obligation to work across party lines and proposed gun legislation. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, the South Carolina Republican says a bipartisan solution needs to be crafted. Graham recently introduced a bill about so-called red flag policies that would allow guns to be taken away before people commit violent crimes. Under the legislation, you could ask a federal judge for a restraining order if they think someone could potentially be dangerous. The bill would allow that judge to take guns away from someone before it's too late. They're thousands of miles apart, but Parkland isn't far from the minds of Hollywood stars. References to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School were made at last night's Oscars ceremony with host Jimmy Kimmel calling the students brave and outspoken. Stoneman Douglas students watching at home noticed with some tweeting, quote, thanks for the support and wow. It's been almost three weeks now since that school became the scene of a massacre with an AR-15 toting gunman killing 17 students and teachers. In other news, a killer who survived an execution attempt last year in Ohio is now dead. Alva Campbell was found unresponsive in his prison cell on Saturday. The 69-year-old was sentenced to death for murdering an 18-year-old during a carjacking attempt in 1997 as he escaped from custody while facing an armed robbery charge. He was supposed to be put to death last year, but it was called off because the execution team couldn't find a good vein for the lethal injection, and a new execution date had been set for next year. Finally, more than 60,000 people are signing a petition to name a national holiday in honor of the Reverend Billy Graham. 
The online petition is addressed to President Trump and lawmakers. It began circulating nearly a week ago by a supporter who says the late Reverend Graham preached the gospel to more people and live audiences than anyone else in history. The evangelist died on February 21st at age 99. He was laid to rest Friday on the grounds of the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina. WFLA News Time 707. Read about everyone on the plane throwing up on a flight through that recent nor'easter this past weekend. Oh, they had terrible turbulence in some of those flights. Yes, they did. And you can get the uh, details before breakfast, hopefully, at 1025wfla.com. <laughs> I've been on a flight like that before. Oh, it's no fun. It's a nightmare. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Because you can't get any relief, you know. If if you're on like a like a, a theme park ride that's doing that to your stomach, it's all gonna be over in a couple of minutes, exactly. but you've got to have hours to go on the flight, you know. And usually if you're having that kind of an experience on a flight, it also is combined with a lot of screaming, a lot of out loud praying. Yes. Uh, you can quickly hear the plane disintegrate as people start to really panic. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's awful. It really is. Deb, great to have you with us, as always. Deborah Roberts, our co-host and partner here, and uh, bringing us the news top and bottom of the hour whenever it breaks. As we roll on for you from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Uh, Yaffe's our executive producer. He's ready to go in the control room here, and uh, Stephanie will be taking your calls. If you want to join the conversation, we'll, we'll get into more detail on what Deb brought you here a moment ago, the rare Saturday session of the Florida Senate resulting in a a school safety uh, piece of legislation, guns involved, et cetera. And I'll tell you specifically in greater detail what is in it and see whether or not this is something that you support or not. It's going to the House after a vote today that I'm sure will pass in the Senate. And I don't know what happens when it hits the governor's desk, particularly on the issue of arming teachers with a Marshall program, which we support, but he does not. Okay, this in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic to be updated here in just two minutes. Stay tuned. You're on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Gaffy, you're one of our legion of UCF gra- uh, grads here. You got to be especially proud of that performance yesterday, huh? You know, I heard uh, he was asked about this, and he said, My goal was to do six reps, and I ended up doing, what was it, 25? Oh now wait a minute! You're talking about you're talking about that's a different thing. He would this is the sprint a minute ago, but he also bench pressed 225 times, uh, 225 yeah. pounds, and he did like 25 reps or something instead of the six, right? Right. So he he lit him up for strength and he lit him up for speed. Exactly. You know, and, and this guy's going to find his way to the NFL. He ought to be. I'd like to see him as a linebacker. Maybe they'll try him on special teams at first, but I think you're going to find out this guy can do anything at any level playing football. Yeah, and that's what he said, too. He yeah. said, you know, I'll play any position you want, yeah. is what he said. Yeah, he's he said, a great guy. He too. said, I'll be a kicker if you want. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what a story. Thought well, we'd brighten you up a little bit there. Um, what a story that is and continues to be, and there is just much more to come. So we have this... Um, this Senate bill, for a while, the Democrats thought they were going to get an assault rifle uh, ban in there. That did not happen, and it's not going to happen. It's opposed by the Republican majorities in the House and the Senate in Tallahassee and by Governor Rick Scott as well, okay? Um, we are, however, going to have the following elements in this bill that I think will pass today in the full Florida Senate and then go over to the House. It um, It does contains still, despite efforts to remove it, 
a provision to train and arm some teachers and other staff members under a Marshall program, okay? Governor's vehemently opposed to that. There is an opt-in here in, in this legislation, as I read it, so that um, local school boards with parent, parental input, et cetera, could decide if they want to have a Marshall program in their county, and hopefully that'll be enough for the governor not to want to veto this thing. We've got to get something done of substance here. We can tell you that the bill is somewhat controversial in a few areas here, raising the minimum age to buy any gun um, from 18 to 21. Right now it's 21 for handguns, 18 for long guns, rifles like the AR-15. It would raise all purchases, the minimum age, to 21 here in the state of Florida. There's a three-day waiting period in here for any gun purchase. No universal background checks, but um, they do they do at least partially close what's called the gun show loophole here. So if you buy a gun um, from a licensed seller, you do have to subject yourself to a background check. You know, I, I just think that, that that's just accepting reality here is we've got to find out, you know, whether there are people getting guns or shouldn't have guns. And, you know, obvious, obviously Nicholas Cruz is Exhibit A when it comes to that, isn't he? There will be a ban on bump stocks, which is, uh, you know, jacks up the fire rate for a semi-automatic, so it's close to a machine gun. It's what they used in Las Vegas. It's not a Broward County-related element, but it is in there. Um, and then there's the Marshall Program to train and arm teachers to protect students when there's an active shooter coming in. I think you've got to accept the reality there, but so many people don't want to. So many of you listening to me are saying, oh, we can't do that, bud, man. Well, do you want to protect your kids? Are you okay sending your kids to a school and having it be a fish-in-a-barrel scenario? The governor's cure for that is to have many, many more, to the tune of $400 million, armed school resource officers. But I would like to have that as well as well-trained Teachers and staff members carrying concealed a marshal program like the air marshals where you don't know who has the firepower. And so the word would be out, no more gun-free zones. You're going to encounter armed resistance, not just with a uniform on, but where you have no idea it is coming from as a deterrent to the next deranged killer coming into your kid's school. Are you with me on the Marshall program? What I fear is that this will pass with the Marshall program. The governor will not veto it because there is an opt-in for each county school board to decide with parental input whether or not they want a Marshall program to arm teachers and staff members to carry concealed in the school. And then precious few of these school boards will ultimately implement it. I think we need it. I don't like the idea that we need it. Sometimes you have to accept reality, don't you? Where are you on that key potential stumbling block on the post-Douglas High Massacre gun and school safety bill? Are you with me on that or not? Or do you have problems with other aspects of it? Do you want this approved as it is in the Florida Senate now? What changes would you make? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Gaffey on the um, Senate gun safety and gun bill, or school safety and gun bill. Uh, we've been talking about it on the text line. What are you hearing? What's coming in? Yes, but I actually got a text from a teacher, which is really interesting, says, I support the Marshall Plan. 
Hallelujah. It says, if I'm guarding a group of students at my high school and the killer comes my way, I want to be able to protect my students. Nobody's going to make you be a part of it. It's a voluntary thing. And I think there are a lot of teachers who would want to do that. They'd want to take a bullet for the kids they teach. That's the way most teachers are. They would want to save lives, maybe their own in the bargain. You know? Line one on the phone now, Ron, we're bringing you into the conversation. You're on with a Bud Man. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Bud. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm uh, from Tampa. I get over to Orlando all the time. I listen to you when I'm over, over here. But uh, I had some concerns about having armed teachers in the school you know, system uh, over here in Tampa last week. Uh, and, and this is just being the truth. Uh, we've had two teachers molesting children over here. Uh, this morning on Tampa News, I was listening before I came over, that we had one teacher, she's been suspended up in Citrus County for a propagandist, a, a racist uh Listen, uh, listen, Ron, 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 let me allay your fears on the Marshall Plan. One of the provisions of this thing, as I understand it, is they'll be thoroughly screened, anybody who would want to well, become a part of this, it, and background it, checked, etc. Are they screened already? What? Are they thoroughly screened already? Well, they would be weeded out from being a part of this program. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, all I know uh, is yeah, that, that is a that, part of it. Come on, bud, really think about that for just a minute. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to count on the fact that law enforcement's going to be involved in this and that they're going to make sure they have quality people armed and carrying concealed. If there's a better way to screen teachers, shouldn't it already be enforced? That we're get letting these uh, well, scum into the system? Well, I suppose anything is possible, okay? Is that the reason that you're going to allow the kids to still be vulnerable in our schools? Yes, we're going to have more armed guards, but, um, you know, they can't be everywhere. We know that from Broward County, don't we? Here's Mary on this. Good morning, Orlando. From Orlando, you're on. Go ahead, Mary. Hi, this is Mary. I love your show, number one. Thank you. And number two, I'm a um, Florida State licensed armed guard. There are thousands, just like me, that are cleared by the Department of Agriculture. Many of them, like myself, are retired law enforcement. And I, I believe that it's way too much to ask a teacher to be able to respond in a situation. Oh, they're talking about 132 hours of training, a very exhaustive program to become proficient with a firearm, Mary. Shouldn't that be sufficient? Well, 132 hours of training is really good, except for the experience factor Mm -hmm. and also the fact that they're coming from a, um, a psychological window of teaching and nurturing as opposed to defending. And I really think that there are going to be a lot of problems with that. Um, you need experience. I mean, what if a teacher hits a student by accident, hits another staff member, freezes up when it comes time to shoot? I mean, there's a lot of factors there. All right. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate it. I think we need a combination of what the governor's, you know, wants and, and what is in this bill at great, great expense, $400 million or something for you know, for hardening up uh, the schools with, 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 with super strong locks, with uh, metal detectors, with bulletproof glass, and yes, with those, uh, with more and more of these armed school guards, these, these resource officers, okay, than we currently have, because about half the schools, as I understand it, don't have any at all, and that is just not satisfactory given the realities we face.
All right, a school safety package getting a final vote in the Senate today. More on that from Deborah Roberts. We've been talking about it, but if you're just joining us, she'll get you up to date with the news. And the Emoji Movie wins Worst Picture at the 2018, oh no, not the Oscars, the Razzies. The Deb Meister joins me in a moment, and good morning from us all. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch here at 730. Good morning, Orlando. Rolls on from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Bottom of the 7 o'clock hour, Deborah Roberts updating us all on the news, beginning with the big story and the big talker, as we say, this morning. Yeah, and that's that school safety package drafted by Republican leaders in the state legislature after the massacre in Parkland up for a final vote today in the Florida Senate. Lawmakers spent all day Saturday debating and defeating amendments offered by Democrats. Senator Jose Rodriguez wanted to remove the school marshal program that would allow some teachers to have guns in class. We should not arm teachers. I do not think that the response to gun violence in our schools is to put more guns in our schools. Senate Republicans also shot down amendments to ban assault rifles and high-capacity magazines, but they did agree that school marshals should have diversity training so they know how to deal with students of different races and cultures. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Did you see the Emoji Movie? I never did. That's okay. A lot of people didn't. That's why it's the big winner of this year's Razzie Awards. The animated feature landed Worst Picture, Director, Screenplay, and Screen Combo at the mock ceremony known formally as the Golden Raspberry Awards, which hands out honors for the worst in film of the previous year. Across all nine categories, Fifty Shades Darker landed Worst Supporting Actress for Kim Basinger and Worst Remake, Ripoff, or Sequel. Tom Cruise snagged Worst Actor for his work in The Mummy. And Mel Gibson won Worst Supporting Actor for Daddy's Home 2. I didn't think Tom Cruise was that bad in that movie. And I didn't think, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Mel Gibson was that bad in, in Daddy's Home 2. I thought he was pretty funny. Yeah, that. Yeah, I'm I surprised know. by that. Now, I, the Emoji movie I did not see. I was going to ask you about that, yeah, because every, you see a lot of flicks. Every review I saw of it just trashed it. I know that, but sometimes reviews to me are like all the more reason to go see a movie. And I did True. like the, you know, the little... Number two emoji when they come out of the bathroom <laughs> singing, we are number two. We are number oh, two. Oh, lovely, lovely. And for, little, people, for people who aren't into this, you know, I don't know what the emojis are. They, you know, it's a, they're the, little icons that you can see on smartphones. Smiling right, faces, right. blowing kisses. Yeah, well, there's also one that's shaped like what? number two. Oh, good Lord. And the number, <laughs> little number two asks the big number two, Dad, should we wash your hands? And the dad says, why? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best line from the movie. <laughs> Worst actress went to Tyler Perry for Boo, too, a Medea Halloween. Hello. While no one showed up to accept their awards at Friday's ceremony, actor Dwayne The Rock Johnson of Baywatch said thank you on Twitter, though, for the project's special honor. The Razzie nominee, so bad you loved it. <laughs> Speaking of the Oscars, yeah. this was this was strange. Pepper spray, I don't know if you heard, bud, was included in this year's Oscar goodie bags. No. The swag bags are given to Oscar nominees each year by companies promoting their products, and they usually contain luxury items like jewelry, cosmetics, or even plane tickets. Oh, no. This year's Oscars gift bag included... A key ring size pepper spray, a gel pepper spray, two personal body alarms, and a kit that tells you if your drink has been drugged. I have a feeling this year's nominees are like, man, of all the years to not get this 
plane tickets and the jewelry. The company that makes the safety products told Yahoo it was lending a helping hand in the Me Too movement by offering yeah. products aimed at the harassment culture that's right. pervasive in the entertainment industry. So they really feel like they still need it there? Apparently, in, yeah. In Hollywood? I wow. guess, you know. And speaking of uh, predators and that harassment culture, street artists are bringing some of the most controversial topics in Hollywood to light. This was ahead of the Academy Awards when the most recent art insta- installment on Hollywood Boulevard was a golden statue of Harvey Weinstein wearing an open robe and sitting on a casting couch. Oh, lovely. He's also clenching an Oscar statuette in a less-than-subtle position. And another street artist took over three billboards and put messages on them, calling out Hollywood for covering up predators in the industry. Did you watch any of the Oscars last night? I watched a little bit of it. I just caught the intro, and that was about it. After that, I wouldn't have watched it anyway, but i got to get some sleep to come in I, here in the morning. Yeah, same here. It's like, yeah. all right, let me just watch enough of it to say I watched yeah. some of it, yeah. and then let me watch something more interesting, like something on Investigation Discovery. Yep, there you go. Yeah. All right, Deb, thank you. You're welcome. Deborah Roberts with our news, top and bottom of the hour, and whenever we have breaking news, she'll handle that for us, and nobody does it better. It dates back into the 1880s, the Gridiron Club in Washington, the Gridiron Club and Foundation's 2018 Spring Dinner. They always invite the President of the United States. Last year, Trump didn't go, okay? But he did show up this time around, and um, he opened by saying, and by the way, no cameras were allowed there, okay? But there was somebody who got some audio, maybe off a smartphone, and managed to get it to CNN so let's hear the only sound I have, and then I'll, I'll, I'll just read what some of the jokes were uh, from the president. I have the transcript here. No cameras allowed, but somebody did grab some sound. They fed it to CNN, which, of course, spent the rest of the weekend railing on the president as an unstable megalomaniac bent on becoming dictator for life, like China's president, who's getting term limits suspended so he can run again and again. Here's Trump. Forget China's great, and she is a great gentleman. He's now president for life. (laughs) 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 President for life. No, he's great. Hey, look, he was able to do that. I think it's great. Maybe we'll have to give that a shot someday. (laughs) You know, actually a pretty good reaction considering there's a lot of media there. You know, but CNN, they have no sense of humor at all. Well, that's it. He wants to be president for life. He's a dictator. We knew it, and that's confirmation. Give me a break. president was great. I mean, and, and he, he, took on, he took on everybody, and he actually lashed out at some people you would have thought might have been off limits. He opened at the gridiron dinner saying, I know the gridiron's really an old tradition in Washington, been around a long time, and, and one that's important to many of you in the media. So I was very excited to receive this invitation to come here and ruin your evening in person. <laughs> which was great. Even when after Mike Pence, you know, his vice president, a real straight arrow guy, it's great, does a great job. And he said, Mike's doing a fantastic job. Then Trump went on and he says, but lately what bothers me, I have to tell you, he's showing a particularly keen interest in the news these days. He starts out each morning asking everybody, has he been impeached yet? <laughs> That's it. I hadn't heard that one. That's oh, a yeah. good one. And then he took <laughs> on the New York Times. He said, oh, yeah, you guys with the New York Times, you're an icon. I'm a New York icon. You're a New York icon. The only difference is I still own my buildings. <laughs> oh, man. What else? Oh, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, is seated right there to his left. He says, you know, we were late getting in here tonight because Jared couldn't get through security. 
Ouch. Had his clearance <laughs> downgraded, remember? That's, I did, that's a good one. And then he went after Jeff Sessions, his embattled attorney general. All he needs to do is get beat up one more time by the president, who we're convinced is trying to get him to quit. But at any rate, um, he said, you know, it's weird. I offered Sessions a ride over, but he recused himself. <laughs> Uh, these are these are good. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. right. The, a lot of these other jokes didn't get the attention because of that one and then, yeah. that we played. Well, listen to this. Really right, funny. and then he turns to his senior advisor, Stephen Miller, and his wife, Melania, who was on the dais with him, all right? He says, I like turnover, Trump says. Now, the question everybody keeps asking, who's going to be the next to leave, Steve Miller or Melania? <laughs> and then he says, looks at Melania and says, that's terrible, honey, but you love me, right? And there were gasps in the audience. And then she mouthed something off mic, and he said to the crowd, I won't tell you what she said. <laughs> I don't know, because I don't know what the reality is with them. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, and his former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, the Breitbart guy, mm-hmm. yeah, um, he said was one of CNN's true stars, the guy who got CNN the most scoops in the inside info because Steve Bannon leaks more than the Titanic. Um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Trump said, man, she's crazy, but she's a fine woman. Former Vice President Joe Biden, trust me, I would kick his blank, meaning if he runs in 2020. Uh, then he turned to Democratic Representative Maxine Waters of California, um, black congresswoman who's always saying, impeach 45, impeach 45, okay? He said, you know, and he screams, and she, he must be impeached. That's all she knows how to say. Trump told the crowd, and I say, and I get in trouble for this. She has to immediately take an IQ test. People go crazy. So much hatred, he said. So much hatred. I have to stop the hatred. And then he got hit on Twitter as being a racist because he was able, because he had the nerve to criticize her. Maxine Waters, give me a break. Finally, one closing haymaker from the president at the gridiron. I do want to say that this is one of the best times I can ever remember having with the media. This might be the most fun I've had since watching your faces on election night. <laughs> pretty good too bad cameras weren't rolling because the president was terrific all we had was one clandestine sound clip that found its way to cnn hey this is exciting it's also part of our prize package and sound judgment which we're going to play the tail end of our eight o'clock hour right after open mind monday we got the new trump board game everybody's trying to win and uh and also we got some concert tickets but if you don't win on Good Morning and on, on Sound Judgment, listen to this. Staying Alive, the number one Bee Gees tribute band in the land, coming to the plaza in Orlando this week. Your chance to go. Staying Alive is going to be at the plaza live uh, March 7th. That would be Wednesday night, right? So go to our website. Log on to 1025WFLA.com. Enter the keyword boogie. That's B-O-O-G-I-E for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the show if you don't win them on Sound Judgment in the next hour, along with our other big prize, the Trump board game. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here. Hope you had a great weekend. Nice to have you with us at 8 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a school safety package gets a final Senate vote today, and there's a rally against arming teachers. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. What's on your mind, whether it's the school safety bill and the gun provisions therein, whatever it is, let me hear from you. It's Open Mind Monday, 407-916-5400. You're next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Monday morning. It's 8.04 on News Radio 1025. During a rare Saturday session, senators approved a bill to increase school safety and restrict gun purchases after nearly eight hours of debate. 
Democratic proposals to ban assault rifles and large-capacity magazines were rejected. So was a Democratic proposal to strip language from the bill that would create a school marshal program that would arm teachers who've gone through law enforcement training. Senator Gary Farmer says the real problem is assault rifles. The root common denominator is the use of assault weapons and large-capacity magazines to kill large numbers of human beings. The legislation is going to Florida Senate for a vote today. Lawmakers are scrambling to take some kind of action before the legislature's annual session ends on Friday. The full House has yet to take up its version of the bill. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Some educators in Florida are protesting that new legislation that could potentially arm teachers in classrooms. Broward County Teachers Union President Anna Fusco said parents shouldn't worry about guns in the classroom. Parents shouldn't have to be worried about whether a teacher, our librarians, or our secretaries in the front office are carrying a weapon with their seven-year-olds or their middle schoolers or their high schoolers. Teachers gathered in Tamarack outside Fort Lauderdale Saturday to push back against legislators in Tallahassee. And once again, the school safety plan drafted in response to the Parkland massacre includes a provision to arm teachers. The governor doesn't like that, and Senator Bill Nelson says he's not the only one. My goodness gracious, the teachers don't want it. The SWAT teams especially don't want it because when they storm the building to get the shooter, and they suddenly run into a teacher with a gun, how are they going to know that's not the shooter and take them out? Nelson says the legislature's school safety plan doesn't go far enough, and he's urging local governments to defy state law and pass their own restrictions on assault rifles. In other news, locally, jury selection continues at the federal courthouse in downtown Orlando today for the trial of the widow of the Pulse gunman. Noor Salman is accused of obstruction of justice and aiding and abetting her husband's attack on the nightclub that killed 49 people. So far, the jury pool includes 13 people with 18 more potential jurors to be questioned today. The judge wants a pool of 56 people from which a jury of 12 with six alternates will be chosen. And finally, got to give props to former UCF linebacker Shaquem Griffin, who only, of course, has one hand but is two feet, may take him to the pros. <laughs> At the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis yesterday, Griffin ran the 40-yard dash in 4.38 seconds, the fastest time by a linebacker in 15 years. It was also the third best time at the Combine overall, just behind the two wide receivers. The performance prompted Seattle's uh, Seahawks All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman to tweet, if at Shaquem Griffin doesn't get drafted in the first two days, the system is broken. And quote, not only that, how many reps did he do over 200 pounds with a prosthetic arm also at the Combine? Yeah, he bench-pressed 225 a couple of dozen times, thought he would only do about six or so, and all of a sudden he just lit him up with his strength, then he lit him up with his speed. This guy is the real deal playing football at any level. The pride of UCF's yeah. undefeated season. And, uh, and Give him he, the props. He's oh, earned he'll it. make it. He'll, 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 he's he'll definitely it. hook on in the NFL. I think he's going to become a star. I do, too. And let's hope he does. Oh, he's great. WFLA News Time. It's 8.07. And you can read about a child sex offender serving 300 years in prison Freed due to a technicality, cannot be retried, Jeez. and will not have to register as a sex offender. On the streets, loose, footloose, and fancy free somewhere in Colorado, 
Parents are incensed and, of course, worried for their children's safety. On a technicality. On a simple beats technicality. Beats a 300-year rap. Absolutely. After abusing at least six children, this man is now walking the streets. We got that on the website available, right? At 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. My favorite hour of the week. And a lot of you, I think, agree because the smartest audience in talk radio takes over the show. For the duration of your phone call on the topic of your choice, you are the host of Good Morning Orlando. It's a great first-time caller opportunity because I'm not going to argue with you. I'm going to keep an open mind whether I agree or not. And you might also illuminate me and all of us on something we're just not aware of or a perspective that we have not offered so um, whether it's a, a topic we've talked about, Trump at the gridiron uh, over the weekend was great. Uh, the, the Oscars got politicized again, as you might well expect. Um, Deb just laid it out for you, and there, there's we've been talking about it all morning, the gun safety bill that gets the final vote in Tallahassee in the Senate today. Do you like what's in it? Is there something in there that you think needs to be in that is not something you don't want in there that you just don't like at all? You want it out? 407-916-5400. The big controversy seems to be as to whether or not we're going to have a Marshall program to arm teachers. The president supports that. I support that. Uh, the governor, as you know, does not. But it is in the legislation. 407-916-5400. Let me hear from you. It's Open Mind Monday. We'll have that after a word from Deb and our latest update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic coming up here in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So you got something you want to say? Whether we've talked about it or not, this is the time. Give me a call. I'll listen to all your stuff. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Standard message. Data rates apply there. The hot item seems to be a a piece of this school safety legislation um, that we support. And that is, uh, that is setting up a, a school marshal program on a voluntary basis. Teachers and staff members who want to do this would take extensive law enforcement supervised gun training to learn to be proficient with a firearm. 132 hours, I think, is what they're talking about here. And then they would carry concealed. And it would be like the air marshals where you don't know who has the weapons, okay? Um, Creating a, a greater deterrent, certainly than we have now or have ever had before, to mass shooters coming into a school. You know, and, and, and there, there are issues that are being raised about this, you know, by, by people who, who really want the very best for our schools, for our kids, for our teachers. And some who think that the Marshall program, which we support, which the president supports, uh, is, is something we have to have. And others who genuinely feel that, that, it, that it's, it's a bad idea, it's a dangerous idea. Some of the reasons have come up on the show here and during the news as well. Let's go to you because that seems to be what everybody wants to talk about. And first up is Ken in Orlando. Good morning. It's Open Mind Monday, and you are first on the air, Ken. Nice to Good have morning, you with me. Bud. Good morning. How are you doing today? Listen, Bud, I heard Bill Nelson say that uh, the, the, the what do you call it, the SWAT teams are totally against this martial program. Because they're going to come in and they're going to not, well, the teacher is the shooter or what? Well, 
what do all these detectives do, undercover detectives in all these precincts? What they do? They have the color of the day. And what they do is they announce what color is undercover detectives are going to wear it. So why can't they do that to the school? The undercover uh, or the color of the day is red. When these SWAT teams go in there, they'll know that there's a lapel or something that's red. That guy is friendly. Just like you go to, a, you, you run up to a detective from another precinct, from another area. He has the color of the day. Hey, yeah. this guy is friendly. So I, that's what I'm thinking. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. I just don't know. I mean, are you going to have to have these people who are part of the Marshall program remembering exactly what color needs to be worn on what particular day? I, I don't know. I don't know whether that works or not. Yaffe, it is an interesting point Senator Nelson raises here, um, you know, about the SWAT teams say they're concerned they would come in and if there's a, a teacher with you know who's there trying to defend against the shooter may look like the shooter with a concealed weapon drawn. Well, I mean, there's going to be concerns about this all the way around, but usually these shootings are already over by the time SWAT gets there. The, That's the problem. That is the problem, and the problem is if if you don't want the the school marshal program, you know, you are just conceding the point that we're going to have another massacre and no way to stop it if the if the school resource officer is not in the right place at the right time because we're going to add them, you know, because a lot of schools don't even have any of them right now. And other than that, you're going to say, eh, uh, you know, shooter, it's uh, go ahead, you know. Well, the do main reason why a lot of these people don't want an armed, an armed teacher program is because they believe the gun is the enemy. They believe the tool, the gun, is the enemy. So they can never have a solution that involves guns. Where are you on all of this? Boy, I tell you, the phones are already on fire. If you cannot get in, text us to 23680, 23680. Let us know what you think, and we'll make sure that we, uh, we share that. Boy, it's interesting. Heavy call-ins on Open Mind Monday on this controversial school marshal plan. And Yaffe, what's coming in on the text line? What are folks into this morning? Well, but we just had a conversation about Senator Nelson said he was concerned about the school marshal program arming teachers, says he's afraid when SWAT gets there, they won't know if it's a teacher, you know, who's or trained that to have a gun. is the, the, the mass killer because there's it, a gun. Exactly right. So I have people responding to that. One person said, put the gun in a fingerprint required lockbox along with a vest. So that way, if they're wearing the vest, that will say to them. They're a school marshal. Another person said, I understand what Senator Nelson says, but it overlooks the possibility that perhaps the teachers would have killed the shooter before SWAT team got there. And I have a bunch of people making that point that the teachers are the first responders. They can't wait for SWAT team to get there. Well, this is why I love Open Mind Monday, because there's some, you know, collective deep thinking going on here and angles and stories um, get raised that, frankly, we haven't been able to bring to light. Here's Dusty weighing in on uh, whatever's on uh, his mind here. Good morning from Apopka, Dusty. Hello, Dusty. You're on with the Budman. Have I got it right? I got it wrong. Let's go. Forgive me. I'm going to put that one on hold. It's my fault. Hit the wrong button. I do want Dusty out of Apopka. Go ahead. Good morning, Bud. It's great to talk to you. And, Mike, you have nailed it on the head once again. We cannot wait for police to respond. It takes too long. We need people in the building to respond. The latest shooting is a perfect example 
of having somebody on site who can defend the children in our schools. Somebody uh, beyond a school resource officer. You think we need more exactly. than a uniformed officer? Exactly. Yeah, I think we do. I think we got to max out in, in, the, in the Marshall plan to protect our kids and, and our teachers is, is part of it. I think it's, it's an uncomfortable, forgive me, inconvenient truth that this is the reality we face. If you really want to protect your kids, our kids. David, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're up now from Davenport, David. Good morning, sir. Take it away. I've talked to you a couple of times in the last two weeks, and I've heard a lot of different people bring up other issues. I've got several points on that. Go ahead. The first one is the, the Sky Marshal program has been in effect for many, many years. Right. And those guys use what's called a frangible bullet because they don't want to shoot through the fuselage of an airplane and depressurize it. Right. So – People are concerned about teachers shooting through walls and injuring other people. That would be the kind of ammo they need to use. Okay. The other thing is, uh, I've heard people fussing about the AR-15s not being a hunting rifle. Well, I've killed four deer in the last two years with mine, and none of them ever took a step. Seemed to work just fine. Okay, fair enough. Another thought on the AR-15 and the rap that it's taking. More calls coming in, text messages as well. We roll on toward 9 o'clock with Open Mind Monday. And uh, at the back end of the show, we're going to play Sound Judgment for the new fabulous Trump board game that everybody wants to win and some concert tickets thrown in for good measure. If you're enjoying it all this morning, enjoy it even more here on WFLA and our entire iHeart family of stations nationwide. Download now the free iHeart Radio app. It is like nothing you have ever seen and it is great and yes it is free the iheart radio app deborah roberts updating our news at the bottom of the hour more on what's going on in tallahassee that school safety package we've been talking about facing a final senate vote today and medical marijuana coming to osceola county despite a moratorium we'll find out what that's all about and stay tuned you're on the 50,000 watt front porch on open mind monday at 8 29 Deborah Roberts joining us right now for a news update. We'll get back to the Open Mind Monday calls and the text messages, so stay with me on that. By my count, 19 days, Deb, uh, since the um, the school massacre down in Broward County, and legislatively a very big day today in Tallahassee related to this. Yeah, where state senators here in Florida will hold a final vote today on that school safety package drafted by Republican leaders, but Senator Kevin Rader says the school safety package is flawed because it doesn't deal with the prolifer- proliferation of military-style assault rifles. Weapons of mass destruction, weapons that are on the battlefield. I can't think of a reason why someone would want to have this, and it's real sad. It's real sad that our students are learning firsthand how government works in this fashion. Lawmakers debated all day Saturday. They defeated amendments by Democrats who wanted to remove the school marshal program that would arm teachers and ban assault rifles and high-capacity magazines. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In other news, a charity set up in the name of a man by a police officer killed during a 2016 traffic stop is paying off the lunch debt of all the students in the school district where he worked. Philando Castile feeds the children, handed over $35,000 to St. Paul.
Paul Public Schools in Minnesota last week, covering everything owed by kids for their lunches. Castile used to help pay for lunches uh, for kids in his district. He was killed after telling an officer he had a legal gun and then reaching for his registration in an incident that was live streamed by his girlfriend, who was in the car with her young daughter at the time. A family is mourning their child killed in a payless, a payless shoe store in suburban Atlanta. Family members say their two-year-old daughter was killed Friday night when a large mirror fell on top of her at the store. The girl was taken to a hospital in Riverdale where she later died. Police say while their investigation is continuing, the death is a tragedy, an accident. In a statement, Payless said, quote, we are devastated by this tragic event and are cooperating with authorities, end quote. What a horrible story. I mean, it's just, you know... You always worry about your kids. You protect them the best you can, and you get a fluke like this. It yeah. really it really shakes everybody who has children. It I does, think. absolutely. You just uh, go to a shoe store to buy some shoes. It's just supposed to be the most normal thing, yeah. just an errand on a Friday night. Uh, a two-year-old is gone. My goodness, what a heartbreaker. A Colorado cannabis company is moving forward with plans to open three dispensaries in Central Florida despite a marijuana moratorium. Troy Wolovec for The Green Solution says the company is working with leaders in Osceola County to open their locations for medical marijuana users. Likely within the second or third quarter of this year to ensure that all patients in Florida have easy access to the medicine they need most. The moratorium on marijuana businesses for Osceola County is set to expire in June. And a teen in Tampa who initially thought he had the flu discovered and said he's been battling stage four cancer. For months. Oh, my goodness. In November, 16-year-old Hunter Brady started to feel tired and short of breath, but was told by his pediatrician that he most likely had the flu. A few weeks later, though, Brady didn't get any better, and his parents rushed him to the emergency room. Back in January, after doctors performed a series of tests, Brady found out he had Hodgkin's lymphoma, a cancer that develops in the white blood cells. Brady is now undergoing chemotherapy and spends the majority of his time in and out of the hospital. Believe it or not, but Brady's family said he's even been cyberbullied by a few teens since his cancer diagnosis. But I know you're giving me that look. I am. But one responded to Brady's Instagram post with, quote, you deserve cancer, end quote. My God, how hateful is that? From one teen to another? You know what You know what I don't understand in this story medically is, I mean, if, if you come in and you think you have the flu, they do a test. They can determine that. I mean, it just sounds like malpractice or something. You say, eh, you got the flu, don't worry about it. Precious time is lost, and this is the worst level of cancer there is, stage four, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you would think they would have given them a test, a swab or whatever, and say, well, this is what you got, or this is what you don't have. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Gee whiz. Talk about taking it for granted that it was the flu, and instead, like you said, bud, precious time wasted. You're not kidding. A You Caring fundraising page has been created to help pay for Brady's medical costs. Oh, that's helpful. And you can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with more Open Mind Monday. So let me vacate my spot here on the 50,000-watt front porch. Yes, we have to make room for the Budman to open his mind wide as he can, right? Oh, no, I was going to (laughs) say to make room for all of the people that are on the phones this morning. And they are, and we're ready to go. Your calls are next. Ben, Jack, Bob, and and you, except I haven't heard from you yet. And our text line is open at 23680. Never busy. Standard message and data rates apply. Final burst of Open Mind Monday input from the smartest audience in talk radio on the topic of your choice. Right after an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFL. 
I appreciate how loyal and how patient so many of you are waiting longer than you should to get on the show, particularly during Open Mind Monday when the lines get swamped. Ben, thank you for your patience. Good morning, Ben from Claremont. Good morning, bud, and it's, it's no problem sitting here like this. <laughs> thank you. I just wanted to say that I'm all for that Marshall Plan, and the arguments I've heard against it, these people sound absolutely stupid to me. On what basis? Well, they they either act like the, the teachers are going to gun the students down or the teachers aren't going to have enough sense to lay their guns down and put their hands up when the law enforcement starts coming through there. You think it's something we need to defend our schools and our kids? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So do I. Appreciate it. Text line, Yaffe, still you got incoming Yes, on that very topic, uh, one person says this, the SWAT team won't go in and kill a teacher. They will assess the situation first. They have trained for such situations. It's just they can't get there in time. Jack, you're in from Claremont on Open Mind Monday. What's on your mind, Jack? Good morning, bud. Happy Monday. Good. Hey, hey, real quick, a couple, couple suggestions for the school situation. Why not make every school similar to a residential gated community where you have to go through one big gate, school buses, everybody. And, of course, the school buses would have remote control to open up the gate and then it would close right behind them. And then teachers, I mean, you know, staff would have their code, the remote control, parents would have a code, and then change the code every month or so or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have to enter and leave the gate just like in a gated neighborhood. Yeah. I, I, I think it's money. I do know that in the, in the four or $500 million that um... – uh, that uh, the governor wants here, and the legislature has that in their in their bills that they're dealing with now in Tallahassee. There is enhanced fencing and perimeter. I don't know whether you're talking about the classic gated community or not. Uh, there is some money in there, point well taken. But I can tell you this, Yaffe, I've been doing some reading. Nicholas Cruz knew, because he went to that school from which he was expelled down in Broward County, that about 20 minutes before school let out, the fencing was opened up so they could get the buses out. Okay? Yeah, the fence he, does no good if it's open. And he came in, and he came in. So that, you know, it, they find a way to beat the system. Bobby, good morning to you on Open Mind Monday. What's up? Yeah, um, I'll just put a, bit, a little bit. Um, you know, as you know, I worked on that anti-bullying bill, and it was my understanding that the gentleman who did that um, massacre down there um, – he did reach out to the schools and the resource officer for many years because he was being bullied. And um, he finally snapped, obviously. Now, that bill's um, passed in 2007. And um, you can look up the statue. I can't remember the number right off the bat, but it was 1006.47, okay. I think. So the point, the point you're trying to make as we debate measures for enhanced school safety going forward is what? We already have money underneath this, um, the Jeffrey Johnson Act, the school safety money. The school, Florida education dropped the ball, people. They didn't report this um, child's bullying. Oh, there were drop balls so all over the place. FBI, sheriff's office, school, oh, yeah. DCF, yes, you name it. Yeah, and there, you, you're, you're 100% right, bud, right there. You smacked it right on the nose. And there's no reason to get into these banning um, automatic weapons or any weapons of any sort. Because a bad guy is always going to get them. If Florida education would have did their job, this would have never happened. 
Thank you, Bobby, very much. I need to move on because my time is getting tight. No more calls because we're going to sound judgment here for the Trump board game and some concert tickets, okay? So all I want from here on out on the phones is, and it's a timing issue. I wish I could get you all on with Open Mind Monday because you're terrific. But we're playing the game, sound judgment. We're going out with some fun and games here, and we're playing for a couple of great prizes. Yaffe, final check on the incoming on the text line 23680. Well, Bud, since it is Open Mind Monday, we we like opposing points of view. Absolutely. So we have one opposing point of view. It says, teachers do not receive the daily real-life experience law enforcement does. A teacher will not be mentally prepared to confront an active shooter. We need law enforcement or retired military in our schools. Okay, fair enough. I understand the argument. I understand the argument. I still think with 132 hours of training, you can turn a teacher into somebody who can handle an active shooter situation. But then again, it's Open Mind Monday, Yaffe, so who cares That's what I think? That's why I read it. It's who, Open Mind who, Monday. Who cares what yep. I think? <laughs> All right. Here's what I think. The Trump board game, you're not going to find it anywhere else because it is brand new. But I have struck up a relationship with the producer of these things. Believe it or not, they come out of Calgary, Canada, the Trump policy game. And you can win it. It's a $40 value. It'd be an amazing experience to play it with your family, play it with your friends, and find out if they still are your friends when the game's over. And we got some great concert tickets as well. So we're playing Sound Judgment, 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400. On a daily Sound Judgment game, it's a twofer. A couple of prizes up for grabs for our winner, Stephanie. Let's talk about them. Yes, bud. So today, our Sound Judgment winner gets their very own copy of the brand new Trump Policy board game. Play Trump Policy with your family, play it with your friends, and very soon you'll know whether they are your friends. Trump Policy gives everyone a chance to voice their opinion on key issues of the day and stand up for the kind of America they want. The new Trump Policy game, a $40 value, is available at trumppolicy.net. And we also have a pair of tickets to the number one Bee Gees tribute, Staying Alive, this Wednesday, March 7th, at the Plaza Live. Okay, VG's Tribute Band. That's going to be a lot of fun coming up Wednesday. Okay, so we got two prizes right now. If you're getting a busy signal, wait for a wrong answer. An open line will be available to you at 407-916-5400. Now, to listen closely now. For today's sound judgment, I want you to listen to some sound from a prominent Central Florida official who's in the news often, who's really had enough of students in his county making all these threats against schools. <laughs> so have we. He plans to fine parents more than $1,000, he announced over the weekend, for the cost of policing threats made by their kids. Listen to his message here, where he uses his own last name a couple of times as a hint. Then use your sound judgment to tell me what this man does for a living. You want to act like a knucklehead, you're going to be a knucklehead in handcuffs. So, and I'm telling the parents, sit your child down and tell them, you don't want Chitwood raising your kid. Because if Chitwood raises your kid, the only jewelry they're going to have is a pair of handcuffs on. What does this man do for a living? Okay, go ahead, line one. I believe he is a sheriff. More specifically, where? Myers, Fort Myers? No, but you're on the right track, 407-916-5400. If you listen to the news, watch the news, you've run into this guy countless times. Line two, what does this man do for a living? He's a sheriff of Volusia County. He is, and his name is Sheriff Mike Chitwood. 
Terrific. Nice job. Are you a Volusia County or just somebody who's up on the news? I'm Bob from Longwood. Ha <laughs> Okay. Terrific. Congratulations. <laughs> Give me your first name, please. Bob. Oh, Bob, you were trying to get in and uh, talk with me earlier, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. Well, this is better. This is better to go to the Disneyland. Hey, the get it. A Trump policy game? Are you up on this? Are you excited about yes, it? Yes, I am. It's better than Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine at your place, knowing you, Bob. Terrific. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. Stephanie would love to talk with you off air, and I'll make that happen right now, and we'll make the arrangements for the both prizes, okay? Okay, thank you. Yeah, nice job, Bob. There you go. It's one of our uh, loyal listeners. Remember when we used to do the debates down at a local restaurant here, Yaffe? Yeah. Bob was always there. He was always he was. there for that. Yeah, yeah you, I got you, to meet him. He was a nice guy. Bob in Longwood. Yeah, absolutely terrific. Uh, he's, been, he's been gunning for that, uh, for that Trump policy game. And, uh, and by the way, uh, it's a $40 value. It's a very classy game. It's a big, heavy thing. It's a board game. And uh, you can get it at trumppolicy.net. Okay. I don't know if I would want to play Bob in the game because I feel like he'd be really good at it. Oh, he probably like he'd be would be. a vicious competitor. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. So, Yaffe, um, last night I was so glad to see at the Oscars, you know, they politicized it and all of this, and I just can't watch that show anyway. But I was so glad to see that the incredible portrayal of Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour by Gary Oldman resulted in him receiving the Academy Award for the Best Actor. What a performance that was. I think it deserved Best Picture, honestly. Do you? You're that high on Darkest Hour? Yeah, it was a great movie. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely I mean, I didn't see the one that won The Shape of Water or whatever. I could have cared less about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. But Darkest Hour was great. Yeah, absolutely right. Hey, listen, we're going to um, follow what goes on in Tallahassee right now with the uh, final vote in the uh, Senate on this school safety program we've been talking about and debating. And you've had some terrific uh, input on Open Mind Monday. We're going to follow what happens with that. We're also going to bring up another issue tomorrow morning. My daughter just reminded me of these new bulletproof classroom shelters that are being marketed all the, everybody would just pile into a room if there was an active shooter, and the shooter wouldn't be able to get him. Boy, just the idea that it just even come to that really shakes you, doesn't it? And it does. Listen, have a great day, everybody. Always great having you on the 50,000-watt front porch. For the whole team, the Bud Man, thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.